where's Tom? That's a really good question. <laughs> really good question. Yeah, yeah. You know, normally when we do this, um, I read an intro, but I didn't. First of all, hey Charlie, what's up? <laughs> hey, yeah, hey. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm going to do my normal intro style, but without reading it. It's unrehearsed. Let's see how it goes. Three, two, one. Tonight we are at the Orchard House in Santa Rosa, California, which is a house venue that has become a very important part of the Santa Rosa music scene in the last five years. Charlie Davenport is part of the founding group of this house, and he moves out in the very near future. So tonight we are going to look back at the times he's had, see where he's going, and just kind of like check in with Charlie Davenport, who we care for very deeply. Charlie Davenport, welcome to the program. Hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks long, for having me, Jim. Long-time fans may recall that Charlie Davenport was on, on stage with Jim and Tom with Rags. You are also in the band Hose Rips, and you are also just a dear friend of mine, and I have been looking forward to this for a very long time, so thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you, Jim. I love this place. It, you know, it's a great place. And uh, I, I think a little bit of clarification, too, when Jim says I'm moving out in the near future, we're, we're talking about two days. So I just cleared out of my room. More people are going to start moving in tomorrow. And then on the first, we're going to be totally out. So just give you a little sense of where we're at. This is the penultimate night. Yeah, this is a very, yeah, we're in some serious penultimate. <laughs> penultimate. Penultimation is happening right yeah, now. Yeah, penultimo. Penultimate. So I don't know. How do you want to do this? Do you want to, do you want to talk about the origin of this place a little bit? I mean, I, I don't know that the intro captured properly like just how much of a cornerstone of the like independent music scene this place has become. It's also the place in which you sort of became an adult. Yeah, it's also yeah, the place, a lot of, the yeah, place in which on. you kind of developed into the artist that you are. You have met so many people because of this. Mm-hmm. You, you sort of formed like a life in this place that you didn't even really intend to form. You became a music promoter. You had no interest in doing that in mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, there's just been so many moments. So many people have been connected through here. Relationships have started, romantic and non-romantic. I, I've met, <laughs> I've met dozens of friends through this place. Yeah I, yeah, I love, love, love the Orchard House, and and you're the reason that that it exists. So let's let, why don't we do like a brief overview of like how it started? It goes back pretty far. I'm 25 now, so it started back when I was, I'd say probably I think I was like 18. No, no, I was 19 and I had just recently moved back to Sonoma County um, from Santa Cruz where I was going to college and I moved back and I was living in Sonoma County and there was this period of time where I had just ended my first relationship and I was pretty bummed about it and I was trying to figure out what my next step was. I wasn't really liking what I was studying in college and I ended up losing the house that I was living in or losing the room that I was living in at the time. I think it's important to note too, like you just kind of glazed over where you were at emotionally, but yeah, this, yeah. this was, this was a dark, dark period. Yeah. It was you, very, you, it was a very you, dark you period. You didn't really like where you were. You didn't really like where you were going. You, you just, there was a lot of like inner consternation, inner tumult, inner like confusion as to like what the next step is. You didn't even know where you were going to be living. Yeah. It just was like a period of, of painful transition. In retrospect, in the perfect position to be uh, looking for like an, like a new cool thing to do, which is crazy. And we'll, we'll talk about where this path goes in a second, but it's like, you kind of find yourself at a, a similar, but different 
point in your life now. You spent six years here. Yeah. And you're not like confused or hurting right now, but you are at a place where you're ready to make some changes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But I think it's kind of crazy how your experience <laughs> at this place like was bookended by those yeah, sort of like yeah. transformative life changing moments. Yeah. I think to start, we should talk about kind of the crazy personal trajectory you've taken in this house. Mm-hmm. Because when you lived here, you kind of set the goal of being like, public guy, right? Mm-hmm. Public figure, Charlie Davenport. I mean, you, you have always been a guy who like naturally can converse, who can like shift between different groups, mm-hmm. who, who, who's always been like very public about his affairs as a performer. Mm-hmm. And you embrace that role. Your bedroom is right there. Yeah. Your bedroom is right there. Yeah. And this, right there. and this stage is where many people have played. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the realization you made through going through weaving earth, meeting some people that you met there. Yeah. And the thought process that led to, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to be the center of this anymore. Yeah. I mean, doing something, a program like Weaving Earth. What is that? Could you tell people what that is? Yeah. 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 I I think there's a lot of people who are like, I have no idea what that is. What is is Weaving Earth? That's such a classic question. It's so like, yeah, it's so notorious. Because there's so many like random people that do the weaving earth immersion program in Sonoma County, myself including yourself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, well, it's called the weaving earth school for relational education. So, um, it's a nature based program where they have a location out in West County, like over by the ocean, or they have historically where you go out every week for a few days and, spend a bunch of time with some folks out there other like participants in the immersion and there's like a bunch of staff and you learn a lot of hard skills like animal tracking and bird language and um, permaculture stuff and all that like nature connection hard skill stuff but there's this additional element to it where you're learning you're like relearning how to connect with people and you're relearning how to connect with yourself and you're relearning how to connect with, you know, nature is kind of like what we do out there, but it's like relearning how to connect just with like your surroundings and like your life basically. Um, and that was a really cool thing for me to do because it's definitely like a, it's like a, it's like a calibration process. So going through that program helped me, reflect in really like powerful ways and be like, Oh yeah, this is my life right now. Like this is what it looks like. And what am I really trying to do? You know, like, is there any, is there anything here that isn't fitting into the pictures or anything here that I could add? Like, where's the juice? Like, yeah. What, so. I, and, and my conversations with you led me to believe that what you thought was giving you the juice in <laughs> fact yeah, the, was, the juice. What, was, was, was not, and was actually maybe, bringing you down emotionally and you had to recalibrate to use your word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I've, you know, what I've found for myself is that I love, like I get so much juice out of being a public person. Like I love being, um, in bands and I love going to shows and I love just kind of putting myself out there. Like it feels great. Like I get a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of people would just call that being like extroverted. Like that's where I can get really charged there. But for me, what's really important, so I, f- I do feel really good being out in public, is I also need like a really strong like private life where I get to just kind of be me and like let my guard down and I don't have to like perform all the time, which I've found 
in myself that I, when I'm constantly locked in that like public person position all the time, I end up just constantly performing and being like the Charlie. Like I start being like, not just like me, Charlie, but like the Charlie that exists out in the world. And that just, you know, that, that that's unsustainable. It doesn't feel good. So as a constant performer myself, and I should add, and I should add that you're not, you're not talking about performing musically. Yeah. I'm talking about like, yeah, just like performing kind of what we talked about earlier, kind of like showing up and being who people expect you to be in a given situation yeah, at yeah. all times. Yeah. Yeah. Which some people might have seen you in the past or just anybody who's a performer, myself included. I'm a performer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and oh, they might yeah, think, Oh, that's just that guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but the reality is that no, there, there's a layer of like, effort that goes into showing up in that way. Yeah. I mean, while it Uh is truly you, you're also putting in a lot of energy to kind of like be that public version of yourself. Yeah. And it's very much like this. So you're like putting out energy and you're putting out yourself all the time. And then for me, I was finding that if I wanted to keep doing that, like if I wanted to keep being the person that I am like out in the world, I was going to have to start, you know, having, more environments where I can be supported and I can be like, you just recently did an electric rag show on this very stage. Yeah. Um, which actually was your farewell show. Yeah. It turned out to be that way. I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but that was your farewell. And show it really felt like that too. Yeah. Like in retrospect, it did, especially when you like looked out at the crowd and you saw the people were there and mm-hmm. all that. It, it did feel like a, a, a transformational moment. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, on the electric rag set, which there's been no record released of that. Yeah. Yet, there, yeah. There's no recordings of that band. How did like the, the content or the emotional experiences that went into the songs change from the previous rags record? Because this was a loud record. Yeah. This You're yelling. Is, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of screaming. Yeah. What are you screaming about? Like, what are you, what are you feeling? Super about? positive shit. Like, you were, there's one song where you say, like, I hate myself, or I, I've hated oh, myself. Oh, you picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hate my, but then it, it also seemed like maybe by the end of the song, maybe you don't hate yourself anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that song, yeah, there's this whole refrain where, yeah, I'm saying, like, you know, I hate myself, and then... And then it kind of kicks in a little bit more. And then I say, I'm putting this to bed. I'm digging this a grave and basically just saying goodbye to that. Yeah. And then the song sort of like completely explodes and gets really loud. And I look at it as sort of like a, like for me when I'm doing that, that's like the, that's like the nail on the head on that whole experience for me. So like my big intention for the electric rag set was, and I said it before the performance, I was saying like, you know, this this performance is a ceremony for me of moving from self-hatred to self-love basically and i get to do that which is so cool how far along are you on that process i i think i'm doing pretty good why do you think you were in self-hatredville mm-hmm. for so long in your life and like how how have you been able to like get yourself out of that zone i think i mean i think there's a lot of stuff going on in our culture and the way that we're raised and the public education system and, and all that and advertising and a lot of um, systems of capitalism that whether they know it or not are making us or inspiring self-hatred in ourselves. So I think like merely existing in capitalism you're in this state where you're never actually enough and you need to like 
do things to be enough. Like you need to like have like this job, you need to get this degree, you need to be making this much money. And if you don't do any of those things, then and even if you do do those things, it's like, it's still like never enough. So I think there's like this inherent self-hatred that we're all dealing with. So I don't know if it's necessarily just mine. And I know that we're all kind of dealing with it at some level. I mean, some people less than others and some people have been fortunate enough to kind of figure it out or, you know, be excluded from it. But yeah. And, and, and so like to get back to the record and like the content of it. And then by the way, I think every piece of art that you've created in this house, the mm-hmm. six years you've been here mm-hmm. is very significant because all of it has led you to this moment, which is leaving this house. Yeah. It's trippy. <laughs> so the electric rags one, there's a lot of self love on there. There's like, mm-hmm. a, I, I've been here. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be here. And sometimes yeah. it, you're, you're being very fiery. You're being very loud in how you describe that. Is, is there any, any other themes on that album that are interesting to talk about? I guess the first song that I wrote, which was the intro song was sort of like about watching the world burn, like watching like the world get more fucked like every week and month and day and hour and feeling this like sense of like impending doom, but also this like not being able to do anything about it. Like having this like, um, this like lethargy, like you get, you get sort of overwhelmed and then you, yeah, you can't do anything for the world basically. So the first song is about, um, I don't know. It's kind of like recognizing that. I think that's all, that's like a theme. That's something I've been thinking about the, for the, the last year is like, how do we live our lives and do something about the state of the world? And like, how do we actually even do any of that? You know? So that that's like a theme that's kind of woven into it. Have you discovered any answers in thinking about that? Or are you just kind of, I think you do what you listen and you hear what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't need to be these like grand, like you're supposed to solve all the problems. But ultimately I think if everybody listened and everybody did their one thing, we would all be this giant piece of machinery that would make it work. I think where people get in trouble is they think, they have to come up with the solution for these big things. Yeah. And of course, if you're framing it that way, that's in. where it yeah. comes in. Well, I can't do that. Yeah. So I can't do anything, which is maybe not correct. You can do something. Yeah. You can do your thing. Outside of music, how do you feel like you do that? Um, or is music your know. vehicle for that? Music is kind of my vehicle for that. I think like when I've done my reflection, I've been like, oh, okay, well, I think what I'm the best at and what I'm supposed to be doing is, is, um, is is based in music when you say do your reflection that's a weaving earth thing right yeah now yeah. do you think that that's interesting to like explain that process of what doing your reflection is yeah, and, yeah. like what you discovered in that oh yeah well, absolutely. You want, do you want to share what your reflection is uh, yeah, yeah yeah are we talking like renewal of creative path like well, that whole what thing? I, I mean i don't know i wasn't there but yeah whatever your reflection is you say when you've done your reflection yeah yeah when yeah. i've done my yeah so this so, is a weaving earth exercise this is a weaving earth exercise i mean it's it's an it's an exercise that a like a bunch of people do. And it's pretty like, I think it's like intrinsic to being a human, but it's something we kind of, a lot of us have lost over like the centuries, but um, it's like a winter time activity and um, it's called renewal of creative path or ROCP. And what you do is you have like this list of kind of like questions and like reflective questions where you're, thinking about stuff like 
like what was like the what was like the big points of last year like what or for me since this last winter was like my first time doing it so i was looking back over my whole life like looking at your life at like this epic storyline of like what were like the big events we have this there's this term called glowing stone moments where you like you're having this really epic life moment and you're standing on this like glowing stone. And when you stand on it, you look back and you see like all the other glowing stones that you stood on, like throughout your whole life. And how do those all connect? And like, where are like the synchronicities, like where are like the magical coincidences and all that. And as sort of like a reflection thing is like a calibration towards like finding what you're actually like, what your path is and like what you're actually supposed to be doing. Um, so yeah, I did that this last winter and it was pretty like profound, I think. Cause then I, it, it was just like, Oh yeah, it was just clear. It was just like a clear, it was like kind of getting all the dust off of my glasses or like unsmudging my glasses and being like, okay, cool. I can see what I'm supposed was to. Was there do. anything there that you would want to share that was particularly interesting or particularly revelatory about that? Yeah. I mean, what, um, the last step of it, was really interesting because the last step is you take all that you just thought about all the reflections that you did on your entire life and you um, you do this thing called um creative scenes which is like a visioning thing where you like imagine what would be like what you really want your life to look like and what you and, and you just write it all out like in the present tense as if it's already happening and that was a pretty amazing thing because it's like a it's like a manifestation process. And I didn't really realize like the power of that process until things actually really started happening that were like beyond me just like doing things. It was like almost as if when I put like the pen to paper and was like, yeah, I would like to, I think I'm ready for this. Like coming from like a really pure place too, where I just spent like weeks and weeks and weeks reflecting and like talking to people and like getting it all sorted out, like, like pretty crazy things kind of falling into place after writing it all out. It's fun to manifest things into reality. Yeah, it's great. Especially when it's like, it feels good. Cause I think we all do manifestation stuff all the time, but it's sort of based out of insecurity and is coming from a place of like, like, you know, like we're all, because we live in this culture, we're all manifesting money all the time. Like not all of us, but a lot of us are kind of like, oh man, I just want like money. So like a lot of people are straight up manifesting like millions and billions of dollars and ends up like killing them or ends up like actually not being what they needed. Cause like what they were actually needing was like where they were, where that was coming from. Like when they were like, I want a bunch of money is they were like, I don't feel safe or I don't feel comfortable. So or I, need I don't this feel thing. loved. I don't feel loved. So like what they actually wanted was love. They actually wanted like connection, but it was coming from a place of disconnection, which is really fucking sad. But yeah, so I it's, think it's the biggest cliche in the world, but they talk about how um, trying to find your validation through things like your bank account or things like uh, workplace accomplishments or whatever. It's like filling an unfillable hole, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you just keep you keep filling it up because you think once you get enough, it's going to be fine. But it never there's never enough. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't come at any point. So it's less about like eliminating public Charlie. Yeah, and it's no, more it's about, about having him coexist with private Charlie. Yeah, so both can be great. We might have talked about this when you were on on stage two years ago with Rags, uh-huh. but you, you, I find a lot about you interesting. But like, <laughs> even your the the 
the, YouTube the, the production of you is interesting. <laughs> the pre-production of you. Oh is yeah, how I was. Born. Yeah, how yeah. how your your mother and father came together with the intention of having a child. They they yeah. weren't they weren't in a relationship. I don't think. Yeah. It was just a, I want a child, and and one thing led to another, and and you and here you came. Yeah, yeah. And that's not typical and very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that it all went down was um. So my mom is in the picture now. My mom is also an incredible human, um, Judith yeah. Davenport. And um, so she worked for my grandpa or her dad. Um, they ran, they founded and developed and ran Industry West, which is that huge warehouse development off of Todd Road in uh, uh, South Santa Rosa. Yeah. And they had that. And that's where the main um, waste management um, transfer station is. So they do all the garbage in Santa Rosa. I think at the time they were doing all the garbage in the Bay area. Okay. And then your dad, whose name is Michael Anderson, Michael Anderson, he was an environmental activist. He was an environmental activist. Okay. And so they started having problems with waste management because they were rent leasing this property or a piece of industry West. And they were just fucking all kinds of shit up. And my grandpa and my mom were pissed about it. And at the time, if waste management was fucking with you, you would call my dad, Michael Anderson, and he would take him out basically, or use your situation <laughs> to like dig up dirt. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the phrases like take him out, but yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, you know, take you him wouldn't out, like, take him out politically. Behind, yeah. yeah. Not, my he wouldn't dad take is not you a out to man. the creek and shoot you in the back of the head. No, my dad, but he would, I, I don't think my dad would do that, but I don't know. Let's keep a little mystery. Anyway, yeah, let's continue. keep a little mystery. Yeah, here. Yeah. So he, um, dad comes in and he uses he knew everyone in the press in sonoma county and had good relationships with people and he would just dig up dirt on waste management and this was a great situation because they're doing all this environmental damage to this property and all kinds of stuff and so had all these big articles pressed about it and ended up helping my family get a big i think it was like a lawsuit settled where they got reparations for all the damage they did and all this stuff. And okay. So management. now we're, now we're probably in the mid eighties while this is happening. Yeah. This is, this is like the late eighties. Crazy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that all it's happens. Like 88, 89. He, he does this job. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, so that's how my mom and my dad met. Okay. Um, and my mom always wanted to have, or, okay. Sorry. Never wanted to have a kid. Sorry. <laughs> neither of them ever wanted to have a kid in the wildest dreams. My dad, definitely not. My mom, pretty sure not. And then she started having dreams about this little girl who would jump around on um, lily pads in her dream. And she was struck with that. This was a little girl that she needed to bring into the world as a child. And so she wasn't in any relationships at the time. I think she was in her late thirties and she um, was going to like sperm banks and stuff like that. And it, and it wasn't working apparently for like a, a long time, which was pretty like disheartening to her. Um, and then she met my dad and they didn't, I don't even know if they really formed a, like an actual romantic relationship. I've always got the sense that there was a little bit of that, but yeah, they, they talked about it. And my mom was like, yeah, I want to do this. And for some reason my dad said yes, but he sort of was like, yeah, I'll do that for you. Cause I think you're cool. But I don't really want to raise a kid. That's not really what I'm trying to do. And she was like, okay. So then she ended up having a kid. And then after I was alive for, and you know, I ended up being Charlie, you know, I was gendered as a boy. So that's, that's how I came out. And, um, 
and then my dad ended up meeting me and just was like oh shit i have a son now and he's really cute and so then he ended up wanting to be in my life and more as like a grandfather because he's significantly older than me i just love that his love of the environment was passed down to you yeah yeah for sure and i feel like the environment is is huge for you i mean it's it's a huge plank in like the weaving earth platform but i mean one of the reasons why you were led to weaving earth is because it is such a priority to you yeah yeah. and you're dismayed by how much we destroy it on a regular basis Mm -hmm. um and then also an important piece there i think which is an important piece of weaving earth and my belief system in general is the destruction of the environment and also how those systems of oppression that cause that to happen are also similar cogs and mechanisms that are the sources of racism and sexism and all these other different systems of oppression. So I think that for me, that's like the most, that's a really, I just feel like that's an important piece because environmentalism, I think historically has been pretty um, one-sided and has been, has a pretty bad rap for that. And I know my dad is definitely at, um, at fault for or not, you know, it's just like the time well, and place. The way, but that was the way that that's the way we that did it was. And this then. is the current evolution is like recognizing that all, all these different things that are happening are all related. You don't think that things are doomed despite someone who reads the news and is disheartened by what you're seeing. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I think I don't, I choose not to believe that things are doomed because if we all think, thought things were doomed, then things would just be doomed. So I, I like to think that things are going to go. Okay. And that's not to say like to inspire some form of like lethargy in myself, not to do anything. Cause I'm like, Oh, everything's gonna be fine. But it's like, I think visioning like that is pretty important because that was a huge dissonance for me when I was growing up. Cause I wanted to, after I studied physics in college, I studied environmental sciences and environmental studies and all that. And everybody who's ever studied that shit knows that the it's, it's, all fucking doom and gloom on that front. Cause they give you like all of the fucking statistics and all the bad shit that's going on and how doomed it looks. So you get that. And then, so every like with everybody's coming at it with that perspective and if I think it's helpful to imagine the world is working out and imagining it is not being doomed. Like when, there's this exercise that we did that I thought was pretty amazing where you sit in a circle with another circle outside of you and you imagine the person in front of you, you're the person from 2017 and this person is living in like the year 20 or 2,250. So let's say like, I don't know, 230 years from now. Um, and they're your ancestor or your um, descendant and you're their ancestor and they made it. So they like you had kids and they had kids and everybody had kept having like this familial line and humans existed and, and made it through the great turning and, and you know, the earth is different now than it is, or it is different in that time than it is in 2017, but it's still livable and all that. And you're talking to them and they know about you. They know about the year 2017 or like this decade or this series of decades and how this was when shit really started moving and they're, you know, this is like scripted. So you're like asking each other questions like that. And they're asking you about what you did in 2017 to create the world that they're living now. And that shit just like blew me away. Cause I, I was born with the sense that, especially from my dad, cause my dad is all doom and gloom. 
um, about the world and humans. Just people in general. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, just he's, like, he he's doesn't like, have a lot of faith. He's a in the he's a self described uh, he's a self described misanthrope. So mm-hmm. he like doesn't like people. He doesn't think people do anything good. Um, but it was pretty amazing to think about like what if I what if like this kept going like what if I have like descendants well like what if the like what if this this dream keeps keeps going and that was like totally perception shifting for me to think about like think about that because all of a sudden you're thinking about your kids which is something in my generation I think a lot of us don't even think about is like the possibility of having kids I have that conversation with people all the time it's like why would we have kids like the world is so fucked and then being like oh yeah there's shit that we could do to make it so we there are there can there, there we can have kids and we can like survive and not live in this like doom and gloom situation so is that a perception shifter for you then about maybe your future and having children like you would be more likely to maybe go down that road i think so yeah i mean i don't know that's yeah. always been like i mean that's always been a contextual thing for me yeah. so it'd have to be with like the, the right, right person, person at the, at the right, right time because i'm super fucking rigid like that yeah i'm just like no it's got to be right i think it's so funny you call yourself <laughs> rigid because you, you to the outside <laughs> i don't think you appear rigid at all you appear well, very just, you well, appear very very like able to like just roll with the you know go with the punches and all that well this is okay this is exactly what i was talking about when i was talking to you about astrology yeah and how there's like your sun sign and then your rising was sign. was this an off this was not a part of this conversation this is a, this is a little well, you, bit of a you better well you better give context to the listener then okay so yeah. For you're perking up for I've, you're perking up for the astrology talk. I love it. <laughs> so this is just so, and I also want to preface this: if we're going to talk about astrology at all, yeah, I hate how people talk about astrology as if it's like everybody needs to fucking believe astrology. Because, like, if like with my friends who believe in different religions and stuff, and the people who are Christians and and like all all different religions, like you, they don't go into a room. And they're like, this is what you need to believe, like fucking like you're a Libra and this is how you are. It's like, I wouldn't fucking do that to you. So I as an Aries, I would it. do that. Oh, I'm, I'm hard headed. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It's up to I'm interpretation. Just giving you a hard time but when we were talking about, so like the way that I'm a Libra rising, so I appear like very flowy and romantic and candlelight and shit. Yeah, you do. But then my sun sign is Virgo. So inside I feel kind of rigid and like I make lists and I have like the very categorical, like, I have lots of categories in my mind. My mind is like a file cabinet. I just like go through and pick out different stuff. Anyways, major tangent. This kind of like harkens back to the whole like public life, private life thing. Like two mm-hmm. things can exist at once. Yeah, yeah. You can maintain a private life while still maintaining your public life. And it doesn't take away from one or the other. They seem to be opposite. Yeah. Just because you're making room for this doesn't mean this is going away. Yeah, absolutely not. It's this sort of, I don't know if you would use the word polarity, mm-hmm. but it's this sort of like, seeming contradiction that uh, exists in all of us. Yeah. And actually the balance and the push and pull of that is very helpful. You you mentioned that to me about how you think that having those two opposite forces inside you can actually be like really good because they even each other out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you have like, well, I think any, you too, you too. Yeah, yeah. I have it. I, and, and any, any matchup is going to have that magic in it in my belief system with astrology. Like, any combination of different forces working inside of you can have, has an inherent magic. It's just finding like the balance, I think. And like tending to both of them being like real with both. Of them. I mean, there's more than just like those two pieces. Like 
there's a bunch of different shit going on in each person. Where this whole process of you moving out of this place and going to weaving earth and, you know, meeting live and being ready to embark on a relationship, all this stuff came about because you had an awareness about stuff that existed inside of you that maybe at different times you'd interpreted differently, or maybe you weren't looking at the full picture of, and then you, you became aware Mm -hmm. you, you, you spent some time, did some personal work and it has led you to this point. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's interesting. I mean, this is all, all this stuff is a part of your belief system. Yeah. But is there anything else? Uh, it's July 30th, 2017. Yeah. That's the date. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think would be important sitting at this table right now? You have two days left in this house. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, uh, eulogy for the experience you've had in the house or closing thoughts or you want to go on a tangent about anything. I mean, this is your opportunity to just really take us in a direction. Yeah. I mean, it's been a good container for me, I guess I kind of, I was, I was called to it, you know, when I first moved in and then yeah, it was supposed to happen. And I'm really glad that it did. And we had a lot of really amazing experiences. I feel so grateful that I could, you know, for Mark Lep, who is my landlord. And then also Alan, who lives on the property, who helped build the house. And that we got to share the space with hundreds and, you know, thousands of different people and have a lot of amazing shows here. And yeah, I'm looking forward to more. I know I'll play on the stage again um, with rags or hose rips or my black metal band that I haven't announced yet. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's I was, something I was thinking about cause I just cleaned out my room. So my room is totally empty and it looks like way different than it did when it had stuff in it. And I was thinking about the first night that I, I moved in cause I was so fucking low. I was so sad and I had been couch surfing on friends houses for so many months and I never really had that private moment to shake and to cry and to deal with everything. And I remember coming here late one night and I had never been here yet. And I was all by myself and walked into my room and it was empty like it is now. And I just had like my bed. I didn't have anything else with me at the time. So I just set up my bed and I like laid on my bed and just like cried. Well, first I like, I like laid down and I like looked around and I was like, am I really alone finally? And then there's just something about that room that just like, let me like let go of a bunch of shit which felt great. And yeah, it was, and I've just done that so many hundreds of times here in different ways, you know, like writing all the music that I've done here and performing as many times as I've had here. And I'm sure a bunch of people have had that same experience here, like seeing bands play or bands that have played here. And I don't know. I'm just so, so happy it happened. And I'm so grateful for all the people that helped make it happen. All my different roommates and all the people who've lived here and, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a great spot. It's a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. Yeah. feels great. I'm so glad that it gets to keep going. You could draw connections to anything if you think hard enough about it, <laughs> any fudge <laughs> lines. Yeah. But I, I would almost argue that if you hadn't moved into this place, then you would not have met as many people that you met, mm-hmm. which maybe wouldn't have led you to record with Paul Hale, mm-hmm. who also 
did the on stage with Jim and Tom theme song. Yeah. Which is how you and I met. Yeah, that's how we met. And so you totally. never know what life would look like without a place like this. Yeah. But um I know it's connected me with a lot of people that I know. Yeah. And I think it played a role in connecting you and me. And definitely you have become one of those friends in my life that I think it can feel like you don't make as you get older. Yeah. I think it can feel like after a certain threshold, yeah, I think we've all had that feeling that. where it's like, I guess I just don't make new close friends anymore, mm-hmm. or I just don't connect with new friends. Like I used to, everyone's become an acquaintance that I meet now, mm-hmm. but that's not the case with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have become a really important friend to me. Yeah. And I'm like, it's hard for me to put into words, but I'll just say that I'm incredibly thankful to have met you and to continue to, you know, be friends with you. Yeah. You too, Jim. Holy shit. You hit the nail on the head with that one. So, Hey baby. Um, thank you universe for making that happen, for having our paths cross and for how the, the hundreds of connections that have happened underneath this roof yep. because of the shows that have been promoted here. Yeah. It's crazy. When you run a place, or you organize things in a place where people exist and people meet and people go. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about the role that you've played in their life progression. Somebody falls in love in this room. That's kind of because you decided to throw a show here. So there's something magic about it. I guess I'll just leave with that. There's something magic about this place. And, uh, I'm really thankful that we got to sit in this place and kind of examine some of that magic and also examine, the stuff that's happened to you while you've been living here. Yeah. I'm really glad too. And it's just, it's a good ceremony for me too. Cause it's like, I don't know, transitions like this are pretty important to me. So it means a lot for you to come out and do a little interview with me on the stage and talk about it. It's cool. It's a very big, good demarcation. There's like very few other things in life I'd rather be doing right now. (laughs) So, Hey, uh, Charlie rags Davenport, my dear friend, Mm. Thank you for being so open and thank you for hanging out with me here. Dude, you're welcome.